You are listening to Trials Talk with Chris and Kyle on the Sidious Mag podcast presented by Tracksmith. We're super excited to partner with Tracksmith, an independent running brand fueled by a deep love of the sport. They celebrate the amateur spirit and seek to inspire the personal pursuit of excellence. Tracksmith is pleased to be supporting 30 Olympic trials qualifiers in Eugene, including athletes across 14 different disciplines as part of their amateur support program. So here's a special offer for our listeners over the next couple days. Check out Tracksmith's essentials for racing and training, including the Strata kits that their trials athletes are racing in this week at tracksmith.com slash Sidious. You can use code Sidious to receive 10% off any order until the last day of the trials, which is June 27th. That's right, 10% off any order through the last day of the trials using code Sidious. Now, let's get right into the biggest performances and surprises with me, your host, Chris Chavez, and my co-host, Kyle Merber. Day three of the U.S. Olympic trials. Kyle, you still alive? Day three of a million, I think. We are still here. We are exhausted. I was yelling. I was clapping. I was tweeting. Let's do it again. And we're going to keep the streak going. We're going to continue talking about throws first on this podcast because we're big throws guys. Fortius uh, Mag. Fortius <laughs> Mag. We might have to switch the name. I just came up with that. It's crazy. That's not a t-shirt. We'll print them. Don't worry. Okay. Fortius Mag for all our throws uh, fans out there, which, you know, I hope that in the last couple of podcasts, we've converted a couple other people to be throws fans. I mean, when we watched the first couple rounds of the hammer throw from the Tracksmith HQ here in Eugene, we were pretty invested in it. Everyone in the house was watching it. Yeah, well, you know, naturally being in the Tracksmith house and Tracksmith having many throwers here mm-hmm. representing the brand, you know, we're, we're fully in it right now. Mm-hmm. And they're coming to the house. For those who are not in Eugene, just to give a little background of what Chris and I have been doing from the Tracksmith house is we're just hanging out all day watching track and field, talking to athletes. The door is legitimately wide open. It's a who's who coming through those doors every single day and it's led to some really cool conversations people coming in to get massages people coming in for for lunch some some people just to unwind and hang out and uh today was super special because if you're listening to this now the episode that we posted right before this was uh an awesome conversation that we had yeah we had rachel rachel dinkoff came Mm -hmm. by just to you know say hi to the tracksmith squad and we immediately we like pulled her in it's like we need a podcast yeah, and the best part was, too, is someone like Nick Willis, who's been working hard on, on the amateur support program, uh, has met so many of these people, maybe through Zoom or just through Instagram DMs or emails. But uh, when he started asking a couple questions uh, to Rachel about her competition, we're like, no, 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 Nick, you saved this for a podcast. Let's all sit down and we can all get to know each other uh, publicly, I guess, on the air and on the record. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be bringing you another one soon with Rudy Winkler because what a day. So first off, the way that the field events are presented in 2021 is so well done and really, really exciting. We watched this on the TV here before walking over to the stadium for the track events later in the day. And it's just so easy to follow. Mm -hmm. 
it's nonstop excitement. The whole house was going wild every time Rudy went up and we didn't want to leave. It was just, you know, really, I think it's in general field doesn't get enough attention, whether it's at the stadium or in media or on even TV. financially, yeah. financially, of course, but it's really captivating the way that they're presenting it. Yeah. So I think we'll start off with the fact that you had a conversation with Rudy here in this house yesterday. Tell us how that went. Yeah. So Rudy came by, it was his off day and he's sitting on the couch and Nick and I were there with him and we just started asking him a ton of questions because obviously we know how distance runners train, but we're not fully familiar with some of the details of what hammer throwers would be doing. And so, you know, it started by just asking, what does your day look like today? Mm -hmm. Are you doing 10 push-ups every now and then? Are you throwing anything? Are you going for a shakeout jog equivalent? And essentially it was just him doing laundry <laughs> and relaxing. But the thing that I found really interesting was that, you know, he said his legs were sore. He hopped in the Norm attack and was already, you know, getting the body primed for today so it looked like it worked it worked because on his second throw of the day he just launched it 82 71 uh meters and it was a new american record i believe he broke the record set by lance Steele back in 1996 uh, which the previous record was 82 52 so he posted 82 51 you know, Olympic trials record, what a banger to, to start the day off in terms of competition today. Yeah. I mean, to just open up with a meet record and you know that the likelihood of three other guys beating you, I don't know what it's like going into a competition of this caliber with that sort of, you know, ego, like what I do, confidence, like skill, I don't talent. It, it's like I've never to, experienced that. It's like walking up to the plate, hitting a leadoff home run on the first pitch, and then from there, giving your team like a little bit of a of a lead, but knowing that it's gonna you, it's gonna hold your up. Your ace is on the mound. Yeah, that you don't have to worry. Yeah. That one run's gonna get you. The and win. it's it. Yeah. No. It, and so I think what we saw first off, like the entire series, the fact that his sixth worst throw yeah his, was his worst 79 61 and that would have been good enough for first yep his worst throw would have won the entire competition so now what he's going to end up trying to do is he's going to try and become the first american to medal in the hammer throw since deal did it in 1996 uh and i think he's got a pretty good shot the uh, reigning world champion is uh, Paweł Fajek from uh, Poland, and he's won the last four world titles. But when you look, I guess you took a look at the uh, world rankings and, and, and the current season list. Yeah. He, Rudy's got a shot. He's got a, a great shot. I mean, Paweł threw 82-98, and Rudy mm -hmm. threw 82-71. So that's right there. And then, you know, also just want to, give some proper credit to Daniel Howe and Alex Young, who both made the team have the Olympic standard, but through personal best today. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things where, you know, the rising boat, you know, what is yeah, it? Boat. The, rising the tide. tide. Yeah. That boat. one. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we'll say this again, another dozen times before the week is up, but throws in America right now, hot, hot. And I think, 
this is something where we've had these conversations just kicking around when we're lounging around the house that once gambling does come into the conversation a couple of years from now, throws might end up being like a really big thing to gamble on. Um, our good friend, Mac Fleet, who's sitting a couple feet away from you, kind of agrees. Uh, I see him nodding his head. It's it's and it would be very easy and entertaining to get into. Well, especially now, as you know, I was saying just there, the way that it's presented is so much easier to follow. And every single throw, you have a better idea of what's happening. You're not bringing out the tape measure anymore. Mm-hmm. The, the laser is throwing it down. It populates on your phone in the results almost instantly. And I think another thing that I wish that they were doing here was like some sort of fan activation zone where everyone can hold the shot put (laughs) or a hammer or discus and just like have some appreciation or, you know, like if you're going to a baseball game, sometimes they have the fast pitch up in the concession area. It's like, we need a, the fan zone where you're trying to throw, you know, it'd be that here's an idea for, you know, Oregon 2022, uh, the day after all these champions and the people who make the team, uh, or even, the, the world champions do it. There's a whole nother day of competition. Have those athletes come back, hang around the, you know, whether it's the long jump pit or uh, the cage and invite some fans to take a, you know, a throw. Well, you love the average Joe theory. The average Joe the theory Olympics, is one of my favorites. Where yeah. you, you get a lane in the men's 100 and we, as fans can see the conceptual as they yeah me in particular because i would do much better in the men's hundred <laughs> that's totally like so yeah it'd have to be you it would have to be me no, kind of like we're not to <laughs> sidetrack too much and so you can get your sub five joke out of the way very early on what is, in this i don't episode. know what, what's the joke uh, me uh <laughs> <laughs> but why was it why did you say that i should should have been in that decathlon 1500 oh well it's set up perfectly <laughs> yeah you would have been in the meat of it uh, <laughs> All right, pressing on. What's our next event, Chris? So after that, we started some action on the track. And well, first off, the women's high jump uh, happened, and Vashti Cunningham got the win in 196. I was very curious to see Anika McPherson, uh, who made the 2016 Olympic team in second place, 193. Um, What's interesting about her is like she doesn't have the Olympic standard, but should be able to make it on place because her current world ranking is 27th, and so that's a good spot to be in ahead of time. Nicole Green was third place in 193 with a personal best, but her world ranking right now is 64th, so I think you might have to be watching a little bit as to and, and taking... Well, high jump really seems like one of those events where... You know, not those athletes ahead of you aren't, you know, doing other events. So uh, maybe you might have to chase something last second. Rachel McCoy was fourth and has the Olympic standards. So um, it's one of those confusing situations exactly. that is definitely not amazing from a fan's perspective. But right. um, yeah, that I believe was the fourth U.S. title for Cunningham. So mm-hmm. and at a very young age, like it yeah. seems v- I'm a little saddened that uh, Shantae Lowe didn't get a chance to compete uh, here. I think the story with her, if people were familiar with some of these, uh, you know, articles that probably came up last year around this in in, in the fall, maybe Shantae Lowe was going to go for, you know, another Olympic team. Maybe I think it was fifth off the top of my head. I might be misremembering that it was fourth or fifth, but she caught COVID in April and then the recovery process and the 
uh, runway time to get back into shape and notch the standard just wasn't enough time. But she, uh, from a, a video that I saw, I think on Instagram, is going to go for uh, the world championships next year. So that's a good thing to look forward to. But um, yeah, Vashti Cunningham gets a shot at the medals again uh, this time around with four years of experience, uh, professional experience at least. So that'll be really cool to watch. Uh, next up, do you want to go triple jump, Chris? Run us through there as we now have a five-time champion. Yeah, Kitura Orji, uh, you know, meet record, 1452. She's the American record, but it's a solid squad going to yeah. uh, to to the games. You got Tori Franklin, not the season's best at 1436, and Jasmine Moore from Georgia, who had the Olympic standard, 1415. So the three women with the Olympic standard end up being the team. It was pretty... Uh, clear cut after the uh, the third jump round of jumps everyone had their spot kind of secured at that point so um, the women's triple jump I mean it's one of those that in the grand scheme of things when people look at how many medals the U.S. like pours in uh, and tops the medal table I think uh, Katura might have a really good shot of adding another one there yeah there. for sure I mean also just shout out two bulldogs on that team mm-hmm. Georgia really just known for their jumping at these, uh, you know, just in track in general, is, they've made a name for themselves. It's interesting. You get certain schools that just dominate events. And I know if I was a triple jumper, which you wish you were, I wish uh, I would go to Georgia. Yeah. Is Georgia a triple jump? You are we ready to call it that? Make a t-shirt. Yeah. Make the t-shirt triple <laughs> jump. You Georgia, uh, go dogs. All right. Um, after that, we had the women's 100 meter hurdle semifinals, but we'll touch on that uh, with the, you know, let's just hit the finals at well, the tail end of this podcast. But yeah. unless you oh, I was going to say, I that. didn't know if we were skipping all the semis because no. the men's 100 semis, we did see um, some big names get knocked out, primarily Isaiah yeah. Young. Yeah. Isaiah Young cost me uh, when we have been putting these predictions up on Instagram. Uh, every day I've been averaging one pick per day, which is not good for You're me not, in the grand scheme yeah, of things. Not doing well. Yeah, for an expert, it's not looking too good for <laughs> expert me. now. Yeah, it says. It, oh, it says expert, expert picks. Is it in quotes? Uh, it should be. Yeah. I think after <laughs> yeah, this, put, maybe put quotes in tomorrow's Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah. So reminder: join in on our Instagram uh, prediction contest every day. We're giving away a fifty dollars Tracksmith gift card. Um, but yeah, today we had to pick the hundred and. I had a guy who was bounced in uh, the first first round, Isaiah Young, uh, but he had a great season. I think he still has a shot in the 200, um, but yeah, it was sad to see, but we'll we'll touch on the final in just a bit. The only distance fi- uh, semis that we had today were the women's 3,000-meter steeplechase, which I found to be very exciting now because... Okay, so the update for people who have update. been li- listening to this Breaking podcast. Breaking news. Yeah. Two two weeks ago, Colleen Quigley on Instagram calls her shot, says, in two weeks I will be making my second Olympic team, something of that sort. And has still, I guess, the question marks have been, she has not raced since February, hasn't steepled since 2019. What shape is she going to be in when she shows up to the trials? Val Constein comes on the Sidious Mag podcast and says, Colleen, better show up because we're coming for her. And there's, you know, four or five other women who have the Olympic standard. We learned just 24 hours ago, Colleen Quigley will not 
be running in the Olympic trials. The injuries uh, and the comeback were just not enough time to be in full shape to give it a shot. And so now that definitely opens up a spot and the big three have been broken up. It's no longer going to be Emma Coburn, Colleen, uh, uh, Courtney Frerichs and Colleen Quigley representing the United States as, it, as has been the case since 2016. It We are going to have a new person on there. Yes, I, don't, I won't forget Ali Ostrander was on the team in 2019, but we've got some new people who have, uh, and and that was me just, that's my monologue. I was going to say, that was, like, take a breath, Chris. I'm fired up. You are. For um, this final. And I can't, up and I hate that I have to wait until Thursday for the, for the resolution to this whole entire thing. Yeah. Um, well, also just, I think a fun subplot to the steeple is there were 33 women entered. Mm-hmm. And historically, in a lot of U.S. champs and trials, the semifinals of the steeple isn't that exciting of an event because, you know, the depth wasn't always there. But this was totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the event has advanced so quickly to becoming really a very competitive race. And so, you know, I, the favorites still, like Emma Coburn goes to the front and just absolutely jogs a 921 just stays out of trouble in the second heat because i think she saw what happened to courtney maybe she didn't maybe that's what she was going to do anyway but courtney had got tied up and went down at one point early on in Mm -hmm. the first heat yeah and so the cool thing about that second heat as as we'll stay on that for a sec is leah falland yeah. Looked very impressive, and I think that could be practice for what we could see in the final because in the grand scheme of things, you think about it, it could be Emma and Courtney stringing this thing out from the start and then just leaving it to be a battle for third place. But Leah looked very confident in just following Emma and being right on her heels the entire time. Yeah, I mean, that was Leah's fastest time in a long time. Mm-hmm. I believe her personal best is 9.18, yeah. I want to say. And she ran 923 looking very, very comfortable. It seemed like the last 200 meters, it wasn't so much that Emma was kicking away, but Leah knew that she had done what she needed to do and kind of coasted it in. Yeah, so the final. her personal best, yep, can confirm, is 918 from 2016. 2016, we were kids. Yeah, I was 14 at the time. <laughs> um, a little bit of a heartbreaker in that heat, though, with Katie Rainsberger just missing the Olympic standard. She... You know, hit the auto qualifier for the final and runs 9:33, but it maybe would be a little bit of a relief. I'm sure the final might be fast enough in the top three where all of them have the Olympic standard, but it's a good peace of mind to have um, ahead of time. And well, we did see that in the first section, yes, which was very entertaining because at 200 meters to go, you kind of think, okay, it might be Courtney Frerichs taking the win. No, not something happens, and all of a sudden you have Grayson Murphy, the trail the, runner, the reigning world mountain champion, mountain running champion. You know, just rep represent for the trail runners, for the ultra runners out there. Takes the win, nine twenty five, personal best, notches the Olympic standard, and brings along Courtney Wayman with her from BYU. I think this makes things even more interesting for the final. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that. Courtney Wayman, probably a little bit disappointed after NCAAs, right. came back, brushed it off, no problem. And it, it was just 
I think maybe there was some level of inspiration coming from the 5K and what we saw from Abby do <laughs> go for it in the prelim and just big breakthroughs or, you know, I guess for Grayson, that's a PB for Courtney. That's a PB. And now they're coming into the final and they don't have to worry about the pace anymore. Now it's just race. Can I, this is not a hot take, but do it. I think the Olympic team is going to have someone named Courtney on there really yeah two maybe wow <laughs> um, we might be getting a little crazy there <laughs> yeah mix it up um but no i thought that overall we just continue to see the women's steeplechase of this country just getting better and better and we saw tons of personal bests mm-hmm. and we're setting up they've got a few days to recover here uh, we'll just hit it now but Ali Ostrander, given the coming out publicly with within the last week about you know her current battle with an eating disorder and checking herself in for for some help, uh, still getting out there to 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 race and has been training throughout this entire thing. It's good to see her make the final, uh, notch one of the little cues of the 9:35 in out of the first heat, um, and you know it's it's one of those stories that we. Uh, you know, are far from, I think, hearing the end about because uh, it is an ongoing struggle. But it's good to see that she's publicly sharing in this process. And at least along the way, there is going to be this one highlight. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know, her video that she put out on her YouTube channel, uh, a little bit different content than she normally puts out. Mm-hmm. Definitely a more serious topic. But I think it was a really important thing that she did. And um obviously she with professional guidance was cleared to run Mm -hmm. and was really happy to see her make it through and look good doing it so the one thing about that grayson murphy run is that very much when hayward field is one of the few track stadiums and and uh, you know venues that if the crowd is aware of what is going on they're going to get loud and they're going to rally around you it's kind of what that hayward magic is all about and so we saw that with with Grayson Murphy, but especially in the race right after, I'm talking about the women's 400 because with 100 meters to go, uh, there was some doubt, I would say, from fans. A ton of doubt. That the one and only, the GOAT, Allison Felix, may miss at least running the 400 individually at the Olympics. It looked like she was going to be safe for one of the top six spots and notch one of the uh, you know places on the relay teams. But really, I think there's a little bit more glory that comes with running the event individually, and it wasn't looking too good. The stadium gets louder and louder, and it looked really tight at the finish. At first, it was like, oh, wait, she may have sneaked in for third, but five years ago we were in a situation like this in the 400 with Jenna Prandini edging her out by .01. I was wondering, oh, are we going to be in the same exact thing? And then all of a sudden, you know, we get you know Quinera Hayes winning in 49.78, and all of a sudden Allison Felix's name pops in there second at 50.02, and the crowd goes nuts. Yeah, it was. You know, a part of me almost thinks that she was running it conservatively on purpose to guarantee. A spot on the four by four. I I would guess that the four by four is probably her better shot of getting a gold medal in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's all about making that fifth Olympic Games and getting the opportunity to go after a tenth gold medal. Do I have that right? Tenth medal. 
So she currently has nine medals, not all gold. Six and three. It's six gold, three silver, uh, with one more, maybe in the 400, maybe in the 4x4. She would tie Carl Lewis, but if she gets one in each, she can surpass him. But then there's also the caveat of possibly being on the mixed 4x4 team, because that's the new event that's being added uh, to... Yeah, can you believe that the 4x4 got another event and like the four by 800 doesn't exist there's no dmr no four by mile can is this is this you petitioning as the as a world record holder in the dmr you know i think that record is untouchable (laughs) and they can put together whatever team they want it's not going down but i just wish that we had a a, i think the four by eight would be a nice one. Okay, let's let's play. You know, let's give the the listeners a little bit of a break here from 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 the actual action. Who's your hypothetical uh, DMR team for the Olympics? If you were to assemble a U.S. team or right now, men or women? Let's go both. From from the world record himself. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, I think twelve hundred Craig Angles. Um, ah, yeah, Craig would be a good twelve. The 400, based off of what we saw today, Norman. Uh, 800, it seems like Donovan Brazier is pretty good at that event, so I'd probably pick him. And then the 1600, if we're going to base it off of historical credentials, maybe this is going to change later in the week, you'd have to give it to Centro. Because Johnny Gregoric would take his place? Later in the week, you're going to see Johnny take Centro's place on this hypothetical DMR. Okay. And on the women's side? On the women's side, wow, okay. I'm, I might work backwards here. Okay. 1,600, you got to go Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um, the 800, Ajay. Although Ajay could probably do such a good 1,200. But um, yeah, I think you'd go Ajay. 400, based off today, we're putting Quinera Hayes. Not a thing, Mo. <laughs> I think you'd have to put a thing Mo in there. We didn't prep for this. Okay. No, this is, this AJ is 12. A thing Mo. A thing Mo 8. Okay. And, and then Hayes 4. Hayes 4. It's a solid squad. That's a gold medal winning squad. And it'd be really nice having Ellie on the anchor knowing that she could solo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's exactly how it would play out. Would you change anyone? Uh, I'm trying to think. The four is the one that you could play around with the most. You can go Hayes, or you can you can move a thing Mo there, and then sub sub in a couple different people on the twelve. Yeah, um, I got Ajay. We're confident in mm-hmm. she can uh, move up. All right. So, what did you make of? So let's also give props. Waddle and Jonathan's third place, making uh, Hayes and Jonathan's both first time Olympians. Uh, but I mean, really what we're going to end up seeing with the NBC attention, the mainstream media attention to things, it's going to be an Allison Felix show for the next couple of weeks. Uh, and we got our first taste of it when the babies were brought onto the track. What did you make of that moment? A uh, special moment that kind of stealing the spotlight on father's day. <laughs> There's, it's a holiday. <laughs> We've got other things going on. Uh, but no, it was that's that's the sort of thing that track needs mm-hmm. in the sense, especially given the national light that we've been the national conversation the past yeah. week has been relatively negative. 
And so having Allison Felix, a familiar face, someone that is loved by Americans who are track fans and those who are not on the, the morning news shows tomorrow. Um, I'm sure is going to be important. Like we need that. Then let's then balance the storylines from the national media perspective of both. Hey, you guys know Allison Felix, but also these are the new up and coming stars because we got to think about the yeah sport tomorrow as well. Right. It's, it's sort of like, let's keep in mind, Allison has been great for, you know, the past 20 years. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. When, when, you, when yeah. you say five Olympics <laughs> and you realize that the Olympic cycles are most times four years yeah. and that this was an extra year as well. It would technically be 16 years. Yeah. But my, ma- yeah, my math. You is wouldn't off. go four times. Yeah. This is why I stick to words. Um, but no, I mean, regardless. regardless. So, I mean, she was, she was great in high school too, before she made the team. All right. I'll, I'll give you the 20. Give me the 20. Yeah. Um, but awesome moment. And what we learned as well, I think, from uh, someone on uh, like these Instagram accounts that find the the spikes. Uh, we Say the name. Discovered. Photos it's of, photos it's of Protos the of the Gram, but I'm not sure if they posted it. There's uh, another one called Rolos, and then there's like a number of things, Rolos 13 or something like that. The big question was, what spikes is Allison wearing? We obviously know that over the last two years, she left Nike and maybe uh, isn't on the on the best terms with them but you want to wear something that performance wise will get you there so we obviously see some, see some athletes you know blacking out their spikes and all that kind of stuff but there's this website it's called sash running that's s a y s h running.com now people are obviously going to go and visit this site after this this is a free ad that they got but they're sponsoring the pod. They're not no, but they could because there's only the the spike. It's called the spike one. Is twenty <laughs> first ever spike. It's twenty five hundred dollars USD. I I think so. Do you want me to add it to the cart and try and check out? Write it off as a business expense. <laughs> All right, it's in my cart. Let me try and check out right now. Oh, I accidentally did this earlier. Now there's two in my cart. I'm not paying five thousand dollars. All right, nine and a half. You want nine and a half? Let's see. Maybe there's. They're not even giving me a size option. One I'm size just fits buying. All. That's why it's so expensive. It doesn't give you the option to buy it, but it says. <laughs> give you your email and we'll notify you. Oh jeez, don't give the email. What is it, Kyle? Kyle Merber at no. It's the lap account at, at gmail <laughs> But it, this is, website is very vague. It says all there's only the about page only has uh, three sentences. This is journalism right now. Just for all those keeping. It's track live at journalism. Sage running our story. Here it is. We believe that women deserve racing spikes designed by women, inspired by women, graceful, powerful, and fearless, just like her. Four sentences, uh, and that's it. That's all the about section and so now i'm very confused where did this spike come from we might have an active investigation on our hands here we're about to yeah the mystery will be solved by tomorrow's podcast for sure yeah i'll because get my best men on it chris go we're gonna for it. we're gonna buy one and have it <laughs> shipped to the tracksmith house here in eugene and we're gonna get to the bottom of how the spike came to be but all in all fantastic race in the women's 400 um just just a blast and again hayward got really really loud for it um right after that 
the entertainment just continued and this time we had the michael norman show which like i don't think i was ever in doubt that he was going to make this team he's the fastest man in this olympic cycle did you get nervous when there was a uh, early gun no oh man they've been really friendly the officials there's been multiple like close false starts or this or that and they're always there's- giving green yeah, there's the that. Field or letting people in. Is it because you and I like don't spend as much time around like the hundred or even yourself. or like the four hundred that it feels like they're holding them in the blocks for a very long time? Yeah, it does. Uh, maybe that's just time moving really slowly within like moments that are extremely stressful and yeah. important. I love. It, how and this is something i was going to talk to someone within the when i was watching at the stadium but you know how the crowd gets like super hush yeah like, i'm familiar yeah well what's with that what's with well, what's <laughs> with that like why why do we give these athletes like the the courtesy of that like do you what, think what are you talking you're suggesting we should be like there's always making noise there's always someone who's not a fan of what's going on at a stadium oh, right yeah like the like, fact that of the that seven thousand people there not one person is disrespectful it's it's a very interesting about track fans how respectful they are but apparently you're thinking about it <laughs> i'm always thinking of being the guy that says shoot the gun <laughs> don't shoot <laughs> oh man all right well now when we hear that we know to blame the pod that it was it's the legs are feeling good guy who just decided to yell <laughs> this and this this might have been our worst suggestion that we've ever put out on the pot of ways to fix track and field oh yeah because you know what i just realized it's not gonna be one of us it's gonna be one of the listeners no, it's gonna it's- be yeah it'll be like ford <laughs> uh anyway michael norman takes the win 4407 mike cherry 4435 in second place with the personal best and then I think what's awesome is we get a North Carolina A&T. We're also, in addition to being big throws guys, we're big North Carolina A&T guys. 3-4. <laughs> I think Trevor Stewart was fourth. Fourth. And should be on that relay. Yeah. Um, so we ran off Ross. 44-74. Closed falling. hard. Had to close. He went out super conservatively. Falling in the footstep of his dad. I mean, when 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 your pops is, a, is an Olympian, it's always big shoes to, to, to fill. Let me just say... Once again, Father's Day. Really wish he would have brought his dad out on the track with him and they could have sat down on the track together. It would have been a special moment. Yeah. But I think it was they still a pretty good father. <laughs> I think it's still a pretty good It was just after father. Allison and Gunnar did it. I was like, oh. Randall, bring your dad on the track and carry him around. <laughs> and then Mike Norman would have brought his dad yeah. and then the two dads would have hugged. That would have been sick. Yeah. A much better suggestion than your last. Yeah. I just, you know, it's just so special that within the last two weeks, uh, I think North Carolina NT has been put on the map for sure with their performance as a team at NCAA's, and now putting two guys on the Olympic team. Uh, there was, it was kind of a joke. I forget who it was. It may have been you. I think who said it was like. Let me hear it first, and then I'll tell you whether or not I want credit. that. We should have just said the North Carolina NT. Oh, team, that was relay yeah. team to the Olympics. Yeah, uh, that'd been sweet. But we'll have. They're gonna at least two or four. Be their own country, I believe, uh, by twenty four, and they'll be getting one gold medal oh, then put me in like the delegation to che- in cheering for the north carolina <laughs> a&t at the opening ceremonies uh no uh, again another solid race there um 
yeah, I think this Mike Norman has to be the favorite for gold. If Wade Van Niekirk doesn't come back, I mean, he's coming back from like a torn ACL and, and a rough last couple of years that Norman, especially now with Fred Curley, not contesting the, Oh, we'll get there, uh, but we're, we'll get right to Fred Curley in a bit. But yeah, Mike Norman could be the first U.S. Olympian to win gold at the Olympics since LaShawn Merritt did it. So something really to look forward to, especially because at the World Championships in Doha, he his time was cut short at the in the semifinals because he was injured. So uh, that was awesome. I um, loved on Twitter seeing two of the, the best to ever do it in Michael Johnson and Jeremy Warner bantering about who they thought was going to win the 400 it was on twitter yeah i just twitter's, i didn't see that track twitter is the best yeah the thing about track I, twitter is that like it's so good when you know all the personalities and characters for someone on the outside looking in this is an area where we need to do i think a better job of kind of introducing people to hey historically this is why this is a big deal there's a lot of context that has to go into it but yeah again when you when you do recognize those moments they're awesome yeah I think track Twitter is for us. You know, TV, let's bring people in. Newsletters, let's bring people in. Track what, Twitter. What newsletter? Um, the Sidious. No. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Lap Count? Yeah, the Lap Count, of course. Yeah. And the Sidious um, Mag newsletter. And the city. Yeah, we're just here grinding. I'll be up late tonight. Um, but, no, I just, I think that going who, who, back to actual. Who picked who in that Twitter exchange? Um, I'd have to look it up. Okay. It's not important. They, I think they were Cherry and Norman and. Obviously, both are on the team. But just going real quick to actual analysis, Michael Norman has been getting better and better every single race this season. He's really had a nice progression. He hasn't, you know, his personal best is a couple years old. It was from April 2019. Right. He did it in uh, Mount Sac, I think. Yeah. It was. And yeah. so now with a, a solid month to prepare for the Olympics, I think that if he can maintain this trajectory right now, it's looking good for him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it, there, there honestly is a real good chance, at least on the men's side, that the United States, think about this, could sweep the gold medals in the 100, the 200, the 400, and the 800. That's why. In the 800. Wow. Yeah. I haven't even thought of such a thing. From From 1 to 8. That's wild. We don't even know our team yet, but yeah. I'm I'm kind of is is this a hot take? I think Donovan Brazier's <laughs> going to make the team. <laughs> All right, yeah, wow, hot. hot. It's more so that you think that uh, whoever's second and third, you think are also gold medal contenders. Bronze. Yeah, Bryce Hopple. Yeah, I'll give it. Oh no, yeah. yeah, and Clayton has done it. So yeah, it's yeah. Oh no, no, I'm not saying that they would sweep the medals. I would say that there's. We have the chance to sweep gold. Oh, I thought you were events. being really hot and saying no, that no, we had no. a chance to go one, two, three. All the way up and down, which we technically do in multiple events. In most of those events. Which brings us next to the women's 100 hurdles. Because they did it back in 2016. I remember. You remember. I remember. Never forget. Uh, Kenny Harrison. Amazing story because she has to. I'll tell you. Tell it, Chris. Yeah, let's get the fire going because in 2016 at the Olympic trials, she finished sixth in the final and i think went into the trials with the fastest time uh of all the americans it was just that deep of an event when they talk about the u.s olympic team being the hardest team to make 
There, I'll tell you, the women's hundred hundred hurdles is the hardest of the hardest team to make. I love that story. And she didn't make it. So then a couple Not weeks later, I don't like this part. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna go and break the world record. And she goes to London and does it and runs twelve two zero twelve two zero, which is really really fast. Yeah. And obviously that holds up as like the fastest time in. Um, in history it's still the world record but uh had to watch the olympics from home the united sweeps the united states sweeps <laughs> the united sweeps that's what we'll call it yeah yeah the big united sweep of 2016 uh brianna rollins nia ali and uh christy castlin take one two three in rio and it, there's just been total u.s domination in this event for the past 10 years i would say so Kenny Harrison throughout this entire time is still not an Olympian, and she's grinding away, training hard, is working with Coach uh, Florial, uh, who was at Kentucky for a bit and then is now at the University of Texas. Fired up. He found his way onto the track today, uh, just what like those babies. What credential does he have? Uh, I don't know. but like you, can just, you can go whatever you want it's, if you're that good of a coach. I think sometimes you flash athletes. a credential and Hayward Magic will just you know happen and yeah. you end up on the track. Uh, so she runs twelve forty seven today, gets revenge, redemption, ends up on the Olympic team, right behind her. Brianna McNeil, which I'll explain in just a second. Oh, stirring up trouble is second, and then third place. Uh, Christina Clemens, who we got to see at the Trials of Miles meet in Kansas City, and I was like one of the, one of the few hundred meter hurdle races that you've ever called, and we're a little bit nervous for at the beginning, but she made it kind of easy by uh, dominating in that race, and then again here shows off, makes the team twelve fifty three for third place, and again we have the potential for the United Sweep of twenty twenty one. Yeah, and. When you look at what it even took to make the final, coming into this weekend, I believe it was 12-6-1 in the semis. And on the descending order list coming into this weekend, that's the 15th fastest time in the world this year. And you don't even get a lane in the U.S. final. So that's just it speaks to how dominant the U.S. is. And we saw a ton of personal bests. And in fourth place in particular, Gabby Cunningham notches a personal best. And, you know, obviously already holds the Olympic standard and everyone has it. Uh, 12.53 for fourth place is now kind of sitting in a position of limbo, knowing whether, doesn't know whether or not she's going to get to go to the Olympic Games in Tokyo because, as maybe I've explained in, in one of the past two episodes, Brianna McNeil has is facing this five-year suspension from the Athletics Integrity Unit for uh, tampering with the anti-doping process. She's got a hearing within the next couple of weeks and she'll get the final word as to whether or not, you know, the suspension is going to be upheld, which would knock her out, not just for Tokyo, but also for Paris. And it, even if it's reduced, it might not even be a reduction enough where she still might miss Tokyo. So Gabby Cunningham is in this very odd position and doesn't get a chance to do the victory lap around Hayward Field. I kind of watched it from afar, and it was it was just the top three. So uh, I just kind of really awkward. Uh, it's a very <laughs> awkward position for for the United States to be in. Yeah, the I, I think something maybe we should touch on because a lot of people have kind of said is like, how is this different than the Hulahan situation? The difference is that 
uh, right now, McNeil has an appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And that decision is going to come down. Whereas in the Shelby situation, Shelby had already exhausted that appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport and lost. So the ban for four years has been upheld. Shelby now only has one more option. Her Hail Mary goes to the Swiss Federal Tribunal, which is where she tried to get an emergency injunction before the Women's 1500, but that didn't work. And so now the process is going to still play out, but there is no active appeal right now for Shelby Houlihan, which is like when you look at the odd statement that came out and really infuriated a lot of people with the Houlihan situation on uh, Monday, I think it was, or no, on last Thursday, whenever it was. I've lost track time, of time. Time we are we have no track. <laughs> but it was it was it was about letting an athlete with an active appeal compete, and so that here applies to Brianna McNeil. And so, I guess what also maybe cushions the uh, the surprise. There isn't much of a surprise because she's been so good. She's the reigning Olympic champion that it was kind of expected. She's going to make this team, and we're just gonna have to cross this bridge when we do. And now we're here, and. I guess in a couple of weeks we'll find out whether or not she gets to compete in Rio. I think that we should stream that on Peacock, the that court case and the announcement. Like oh that. man! Well, yeah, because all the details about it have been you know confidential up until this point. So the Hayward uh, crowd did love her and gave proper cheers and everything. It seemed that you know, and generally one of the more knowledgeable crowds out there mm-hmm. i'm sure very much aware are we ready to s- declare that the hayward field crowd is too nice too nice too no nice way. there's wow. no booze there were uh there were some booze today for i heard a couple booze <laughs> <laughs> for one guy <laughs> are we allowed to say yeah. um yeah seb co got a couple booze oh uh, yeah when he came on the screen that's a shame yeah poor so. Poor guy. We'll have him on the pod and <laughs> we'll let him tell his side of the story. It's kind of like That's when... That's an open invite. It, it, open invite for Seb to come on the podcast. But, I, you know, it's interesting because sometimes all it does take is a good podcast appearance for you to change your, your image uh, with people. <laughs> I think about when Joe Buck goes on a bunch of podcasts yeah. and all of a sudden... People were like, I hate Joe Buck as an announcer. He hates my team. And uh, he makes one appearance, cracks a couple jokes, and people are like, you know what? I, I don't mind that guy. I was wrong. I don't and understand the Seb Kobu <laughs> from Eugene. It's like, guys, he gave the, the world champs next year to Eugene. Am I wrong on that? Like, isn't that how that went down? It seems like no, you, worth I think a clap. Right. Yeah. So Just come on the pod, Seb. Come on the pod, Seb, and maybe you can change uh, <laughs> your image with people. But um, all right, final event. <laughs> I can't believe we have this podcast, Chris. Go on. Yeah. 100. Final event of the day, men's 100. And uh, one guy who didn't get booed finished last, uh, <laughs> Justin Gatlin. Uh, I think it's over, right? Did he run slower than Shakari? 10.87. Was he hurt? Did he pull up? No, he crossed the finish line. 10.87. That's not that good of a time for him. <laughs> no. Objectively. Wait, um, did Shakari run faster? Definitely in the semis. What was the... Oh, the wind reading on this was... Oh, 0.8. So, I think there 10, were... 8, 6 for Shikari. Oh, so you would just get some by 0.01? Yeah. Man, that would have been a great race. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> they're, they're also training partners, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be an awkward bus ride home. <laughs> okay, focusing on the front of the race. <laughs> Trayvon Brumel. 
the comeback story gets a chapter in Tokyo. Nine eight zero for the win. Uh, only disappointment in this is that he didn't do it in short shorts. I think he's been wearing half tights his entire time, and his signature thing in 2016 was wearing the short shorts. But all in all, just great to see him back. I think he got the shorts from BYU. <laughs> <laughs> he, he saw the NCAA's <laughs> and he was like, "That's not happening to me." Uh, <laughs> so then. Uh, the, the crazy poetic kind of way to tie a bow onto the Trail and Rail story is that the last time he was at the Olympics, he was getting carted off the track in a wheelchair because in the 4x1, uh, that's when his Achilles gave out. He had a bone spur injury that was bugging him. In the lead-up to the trials, runs 9-8, makes it, and then kind of just taps out at that point and makes it through into the Olympic final, finishes last, but... Uh, yeah, it, just for him to make the comeback in 2018, didn't race at all, had surgery in 2000, uh, had surgery right after 2016, raced once in 2017. After that, has to the race goes badly, he needs another surgery, has to come back again in 2018. Um, yeah, just all in all, what what a story. Yeah, I hope he has good health insurance for all those surgeries. <laughs> I mean, he's been through hell. But look, now, 980. So first off, 991 was fifth place. That's the fastest fifth place finish in a 100 race Michael Williams, time. I think, he's Oregon freshman. Yeah, he ran unbelievably well. Probably will be on the 4x1 mm-hmm. in uh, Tokyo. the prelims. Tokyo, I'd think uh he's in the pool so freshman mixing it up with the big boys looks i mean we 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 we're we're gonna be okay for a few years here i would mm-hmm. say especially when you look at the, the the bottom end of this race it was you know michael williams Craven gillespie noah lyles like these are guys who have another olympic cycle in them now Ronnie Baker, second, 985. Fred Curley, 986. Fred Curley, very much, I think, first off, personal best. Really paid off big time in his risk to say, you know what, that race that I ran a civil, we got a silver medal in in 2019, I'm not going to do that. I want to try something new. Let me do the 100, 200 at the Olympics. That seems to be like the more glitzy, glamorous event that people do. And just decides and, you know, backs it up with right at the right time. I think. Uh, right in the semifinal, won his respective heat, didn't put, didn't hit the brakes at all, just kept running right into the tunnel. Well, for him, yeah, all he's business. used to the four hundred. Yeah. So can he, we call him all biz, Fred? Like that seems like his. That he's all business all the time. All right, that's it. All biz, Fred. You did it. New well, nickname. For t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Print the t-shirts. Um, for all biz, Fred. So an hour ago, he tweeted, "Guess I made a mistake," and. Because obviously a lot of people were saying he should have done the 400, should have done the 400. He's even quote tweeting people. He is? Specifically. (laughs) Robert. Oh, no. uh, RG3 supported him. Okay. Uh, Someone else did not support him. And he, someone who said this was a big mistake and he wouldn't make the 100 team, he quote tweeted and just went, "Mm." so he's feeling pretty good um, after that PB and he's on the team. And we'll see him again in the 200, which I think would be his better event. Listen, open invite to Fred Curley to come on the podcast, but he just seems like he'd be the Marshawn Lynch of, of track and field where he'd just give very short answers 
because he's just straight to the point. Wants to spend as little time as possible doing anything. The anti-David <laughs> Melly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so last thing I kind of want to touch on on this race, it was awesome that you know Ronnie Baker second, Fred Curley third, Trayvon Bramell got the win. But the question mark here is Noel Lyles finishing seventh, ten ten oh five had one of the I guess he had a decent reaction time out of the out of the uh, out of the blocks, but now. Do, do you think this takes a toll on him for the 200? Yeah, you know, the 200's always been his best event, and it takes him a little while to get up to speed. I mean, I mean, he has run a good 100 here and there, but I've also seen him run mediocre 100s and turn around and crush 200s, and I think as long as he can rebound mentally and not take this one to heart too much, I mean, he looked good in the first couple of rounds, and... I think that's the focus for him. And hopefully this acts as some level of a sharpener. What I think is just going to be tough, and it's just like I, I, I believe he's going to make the team in the 200. But whether this puts his win in question, possibly. We've only seen him run one 200 this year, and he he beat Kenny... Uh, Benerick. Yeah, Kenny Benerick. Yeah. And uh, so now with not being as fresh... I don't know, and this is, just gives him an opportunity because I know he follows Sidious. He's been on the pod before. He's actually, I think, a Patreon donor as well. Uh, he he can clip this and prove me wrong, and he'll be it'll be his version of what Fred Curley is right now, just giggling in, during drug testing on Twitter. Um, so just low hanging fruit for him to take a shot. Here. Yeah. So first off, the fact that you think he's going to be listening to this podcast <laughs> between the, the next between few days, very. Um, yeah, you're wrong. Uh, but I will say, because I'm a huge Noah Lyles fan, that I'm not counting him out one bit. But, yeah, Banneret did look great. Um, and then we're going to see Terrence Laird. And now some news that has come out the last couple of days is, you know, we had been speculating since NCAAs, whereas Joseph Von Boulay, and for those who missed that, our NCAA champ out of Florida with the biggest stride of all time, declared actually for Liberia for the Olympics. So, Are you a little upset by that? I know you're, like... The, the biggest yeah so as big show. of a fan i am of the united states i think i might be a bigger joseph von Boulay fan after ncaa's heard it here first kyle merber <laughs> joseph van Boulay fan big throws guy and what was the other thing that we just oh we're big north carolina a&t guys yeah. like if you would have told told him a year ago this is what your life would be you'd be shocked yeah no but it's worked out um <laughs> but so yeah the 200 stacked and we we got a little preview here. I think Benrick really he doesn't miss, and that's I think the big takeaway from his performances. Obviously at the trials already, but also all season mm-hmm. he's really really consistent. And when you're considering who's going to make the team, those are things you have to consider. All right, let's put a bow on this and wrap it up. Wait, but- you didn't say anything about the decathlon. Oh, yeah, the decathlon. Well, I missed some of it. So do you want to fill me in what happened? Um, yeah, well, you know, I think the big takeaway is Garrett Scantling is very good at the decathlon. And, um, you know, he was definitely the odds-on favorite coming in. But the the big thing is that both Stephen Bastian and Zach Zemek were able to get the Olympic standard that they needed because they did not come in with it. Um, so big personal best for all three the decathlon 
is something that the U.S. has a, a good history with. And to have a team of three guys who are running and throwing and jumping at their absolute best right now, exciting to see. Um, I think Ashton, Eaton, and Trey Hardy. We saw Ashton as we were leaving the stadium. Yeah, He looks like he could still compete. He, he looks like he can still do it. But uh, I think that the they're they're pretty happy with the team that we're sending so with that i'm happy good i'm happy that you're happy kyle (laughs) and but because i think tomorrow there's gonna be a lot of sadness i mean especially like within the community that we're closest to you the distance community women's 1500 uh women's 5k and the uh is it the men's 800 as well tomorrow yep men's 800 there's going to be quite a bit of heartbreak. So Tomorrow is short and sweet. It's uh, a lot of finals, and then we get a two-day break. So We need that two-day break. We need break. it. But What's your whoop score this, this I, morning? I got 3% recovered I was, on my whoop. I was 40, but that's also because I think I took a nap. So, uh, yeah. There you go. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Day three is in the books. Hang in there. You still got about a week's worth of podcasts from us. And we're going to have more fun because I think we're going to be hanging with uh, Rudy Winkler uh, in the next day or two. And that'll be that'll be great. I think uh, we'll see what crazy questions we have for him and the throws. Because as you heard, big throws guys here.